I've got a message today that, you know, I, I tell you, we're, we're living in crazy times. I don't know about you, but, you know, I, I outgrew my generation. The generation I grew up in didn't face the challenges that are going on right now. I mean, the world, they've gone, they've gone nuts. That's all I can say. They've gone nuts, and uh, the devil has gripped the hearts and minds of so many people in so many places. But, you know, I think about it, and I say, God sent Jesus in the midst of a Roman occupation in Israel under a harsh Roman rule, and he came with healing in his wings, he brought salvation, and at the end of it all, the church age began. In spite of the Romans and all of what they did to the people of Israel, God had his way. And I just want to say this, I know things look like they're going crazy out there in the world, but be of good cheer, Jesus said. I have overcome the world. And they can do what they will. God's going to have his way with his people and we will still always be blessed. But you know, I want to talk about something today. Let me start off with this. I, uh, I remember a number of years ago, um, I grew up in New York City, and uh, I remember my wife and I went out to Staten Island. Anybody Italian here? <laughs> Do you know why all the Italians left Brooklyn and went to Staten Island? Somebody told them it was Sicily. But anyway, I went to Staten Island to visit my <laughs> You're not going to forget that, right? I went to Staten Island with my, with my wife to visit my, my nephew with a little boy then. It was his birthday. And while we were outside with my sister, and um, my nephew was little, and his sister was a little girl, and I saw these young fellows come walking up to us. Uh, I knew what was going on. They had their little watchtower pamphlets. They were Jehovah's Witnesses. And they came up, and they started to throw their pitch at me. I didn't let them go too far, and I said, hey, you guys, they were very young, these young men. And I said, they were so young, they couldn't, they didn't even know how to tie a tie very good. And, and I said, hey, you guys are Jehovah's Witnesses, aren't you? Oh, they said, yes, we sure are. I said, what do you know about the seven redemptive names of Jehovah? That was it. They had nothing to say. They had no idea what I was talking about. They never said another word. And, you know, and I, so I, I rattled off the names of the seven redemptive names of Jehovah. I'm sure that many of you know the seven names of Jehovah. But if you don't, you're going to find out today. Those of you watching online, or wherever you are you're watching, I'm glad that you're watching because you're going to hear some things here too. And uh, So I rattled off the seven redemptive names of Jehovah. They just walked away from me. I said, hey guys, wait a minute, I want to tell you something. And they turned around and I said, listen, when you get back to your office over there, uh, talk to the grand poopa in there. Maybe he could tell you about the seven redemptive names of Jehovah. And they never said another word. But there are seven redemptive names of Jehovah. We're going to talk about that today. But let me lay some foundation first. Let's go over to 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. I'm reading in the King James Bible because we all know that's how God really talks in heaven. <laughs> Other than, how many of you watch The Chosen? Any of you? Yeah, they don't have British accents in there. Isn't that pretty cool? They actually sound like they're in the Middle East, you know, in Israel. And, um, but I'm in the King James Bible today because I just kind of like the way it flows. I'm old school. Don't you remember when it was a sin to read anything but the King James? <laughs> I remember I, I said to somebody, I had a New American Standard. I said, yeah, Hebrews 11, one, yeah. You know, now faith is the assurance of things hoping. The woman said, substance. I said, yeah, now faith is the assurance, substance. And she kept saying substance, but you know, in a, in a sense, she was right. <laughs> but it is. Faith is, a, a, is what we have. That's the substance of what we're going to hope for. Hope is future. Faith brings it in. Amen. 
What was that guy's name used to sing with you guys down there? Oh, Philip, Philip. He always used to say, turn the, keep the switch of faith turned on. And he'd go like that. How many of you remember that guy? Yeah, keep that switch of faith turned on. We're going to keep the switch of faith turned on today. Amen. The world can go nuts if they want to, you know. But I'm not going to go nuts with them. And neither are you, because you know better. Amen. You know God. And when you know God, you've got the mind of Christ. So you're not out of your mind. You've got the mind of Christ now. Amen. But let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. I want to give a little foundation first because I got somewhere I'm going to go with this today and it's going to be easy. Verse 16, we're going to read verse 16 through 19. We have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Peter is referencing the Mount of Transfiguration. You recall that. And the voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. What he's saying here, we have a sure word of prophecy. You know, we're going to be in the Old Testament uh, today, in most of everything I'm going to talk about. But, you know, if you know, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. They're very interwoven. You know, I remember I was talking to a rabbi, and um, he was a young man. And I said to him, you know, uh, is anybody Jewish here? By origin? No? Okay. Well, anyway, listen to this. This will help you in talking to Jewish people about Jesus. And I said to him, I said, well, actually, I was talking to one of his uh, men from his congregation. And I said, well, then I did talk to the rabbi. Let me just go right to the bottom line on that. You don't need a whole story. And um, I said to him, I said, Rabbi, do you know what Israel really is? Now, you say a statement like that, of course, like that to a Jewish person. I don't blame them. They get a little, OK, what are you going to tell me? You know, are you anti, an anti-Semitic here? You know, uh, did I say it right? And, you know, anti-cement, Semite, <laughs> Semite. Okay, and he, so I said, what, do you know what Israel really is? He just looked at me, he paused, he said, what? I said, it's God's thumbprint on the world. It's where he made himself known to humanity. And he lit up, he said, oh my goodness. It's not supposed to do that. Don't they know I'm in church? <laughs> and, you know, uh, it, it's, it's where God made himself known to humanity. And uh, that's the very real, realism. We, you know, I, I've been around a while, and some of you that, that are more closer in my age, you know that the Jewish community and the Christian community is coming together more and more. More and more. When I was a young, young fellow, you know, there was almost like a disdain for Jewish people, but not anymore. Well, that's changed a lot. It's a beautiful thing. You know, to us, Jesus is coming back. To them, they're still waiting for him to come. So together, we're all going to be happy when he comes. <laughs> Amen? Amen? And, you know, but the Old Testament reveals, uh, tells us things that through the light of the New Testament and the Holy Spirit in us, we see things that they did not see. And so we see things. Let's go over now to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you would, please. 
And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to look at verse number 11. And here we see, now these things, now the Apostle Paul is writing about some of the things that went on in the Old Testament, some of the good things, some of the bad things, but we want to learn from people's mistakes. It's better to learn from someone else's mistakes. Did you know Bo Moffitt? He was the dean when I was at Ramah. When, when were you there? Yeah, I, went, I graduated in 85, and he, he taught Life of Christ and I think a couple of other things. And, and he made a statement one time. He said, it's good to learn from other people's mistakes better than yourself because the school of experience is the best teacher, but the tuition is the highest. <laughs> and we could learn from the mistakes of those before us. Can you say amen to that? Amen. And, you know, we follow the word of God, and we don't have to make the same mistakes that others made in other times. And so he's mentioning some of the pitfalls that they had, and they suffered consequences. But then he sums things up, and in verse number 11, the Apostle Paul tells us, Nay, now all these things happened unto them for examples, or examples that are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Meaning we can look back at some of the things that happened to them and learn from it and say, don't do that. Because if you do that, this is what happens. And it's not that God is doing it. Sometimes we are the victims of our own bad choices. Well, aren't you glad you got the mind of Christ? You don't have... You know, I tell you, I, you know, we get so much smarter when we get saved. We're smart enough not to go to hell anymore. <laughs> smart enough not to do the things we used to do. Amen. We just, we just know it on the inside. Something happens on the inside. And we, you know, how many of you guys watched the Three Stooges? <laughs> Look at it. All the guys put their hands up. Now, I remember when Curly was being sworn in in court and he had his hand on the Bible and the judge said, do you swear? And he says, no, I know the, but I know all the words. <laughs> I got saved and I could not utter those words ever, ever again. Far be it from me. I said, my gosh, I can hear those words on the inside of me. I know what they are, but I, I refuse to let that kind of stuff come out of my mouth ever again. Because God, clean, he starts doing a cleanup on us. And so we see here that, you know, we can learn from their mistakes. Let's go to another place in Scripture. Let's go to Romans chapter 15. And then we're going to get to where we're going to go today. Romans 15. And verse number 4 tells us, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Amen. So we can look to the word. It directs us. It guides us. It, it comforts us. It strengthens us. It enlightens us. It lifts us up. It makes us glad. Right? I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. We're going to go. Let me tell you the seven redemptive names of Jehovah. Then we're going to get into where we're going to go. You are not going to forget this message. Like I said, you can forget me, but don't forget the message. Don't forget what you're hearing out of this today. I didn't make this stuff up. I heard this message like 40 years ago. Pastor Shelley, and I took notes. I preached this message in our church. About every five years, you can bring things back because you have new people, and I would go like four or five weeks on this topic. But, you know, after I retired from pastoring, I said, I'm going to go places, be a one-time shot. I was able to condense a lot of stuff down and hit the high points, you know what I'm saying? The seven redemptive names of Jehovah. Well, the redemptive names of Jehovah, there's seven of them. Seven is the number of completion. It's a, it's a number of fullness, and it, it's, it's, it's God's number. 
And it's the seven redemptive names. The seven redemptive names of Jehovah talk about the nature of God in his dealings with us. And it's all good. It's all good stuff. If you know the seven redemptive names, you, you know what they are. But if you don't, take a listen. Jehovah Ra'ah, R-A hyphen A-H. That is, the Lord is my shepherd. Okay? Second name, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Third one, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. Number four, Jehovah Sidkenu, the T is silent, T-S-I-D-K-E-N-U, the Lord is my righteousness. Okay? Number five, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there, he's ever-present. I remember when, when my wife and I and our family moved back to New Jersey, and Pastor uh, um, Shell, you know, you know Bob Yandian? You know, I was with his church for many years, and he was my pastor, and uh, when we moved back, and we, we moved up to New Jersey to Pioneer Church, he sent me a card, and the front of the card said, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. And on the inside, he said, Joe, the same God that was with you down here in Tulsa is with you in New Jersey. Amen. And so I always remembered that, that he took the time out to send me that card. Number six, Jehovah Nissi, N-I-S-S-I, the Lord is my victory. Sometimes it's also called the Lord is my banner. And number seven, Jehovah Rapha, R-A-P-H-A, Lord is my healer. We're going to look at something today. We're going to go to Psalm 23. And in Psalm 23, all of the, all of the attributes of, of the seven redemptive names of Jehovah are found in Psalm 23. My desire for you is that you'll never look at Psalm 23 the same again because it's jam-packed full of God's promises to us. And, you know, these were promises to, um, to them. Uh, uh, king David wrote this. It's called the Psalm of David. And, you know, in the Old Testament, the prophet, the priest, and the king, the Holy Ghost came upon them, but we have the Holy Ghost in us. Right? You know, he's in us. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We're not covered with the Holy Spirit. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. And as I look at this thing, I see here that, uh, that as the, the anointing was on him to write this, and all of these, all of what he wrote in this, you know, it, it's kind of prophetic in a way, Psalm 23, based on the nature of it, because you know anything about Old Testament prophecy, there was usually uh, almost like an immediate manifestation of the things that the prophet said, but then there's the law of, sect of double reference. We're down the road. Something else is going to happen similar. And we could look back at things in the past and say, you know, well, Ecclesiastes you know, 1.9 said, that which, is, that which once was will be, and it, you know, it'll come back again. But the promises of God don't fail, and God does not withdraw them. What was that song? God is God, and he don't ever change. It's not good grammar, but it makes good sense. I know God is God, but he don't ever change. I used to love that song. I said, yeah, God is still God, and you can't take that away from him. There is no other name. In fact, you sing and tell you about e e Emmanuel. It's God with us. You know, that's the Jehovah Shammah there. And you sang today about uh, the name of Jesus. Do you know Rodney Lloyd? Do you know Rodney Lloyd? He was a pastor at a church when I first got saved down there in Tulsa. And the first time I ever went to a, a, a church such as this, and Rod is a, he's a Raymond grad himself, 
and he taught on the authority in the name of Jesus. Well, I about jumped over, jumping over the seats in that place. I wasn't even spiritual yet, but I was electrified at that, that, the power in the name of Jesus. I'd never heard the likes of that before. And man, when I left, my wife says, you were getting excited. I said, oh man, was I getting excited. Did you hear that stuff? And he was telling these stories and these testimonies about how just the mention of the name changed things. Changes you, changes me, praise God. So we're going to look at the seven redemptive names of Jehovah today. And Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, Jehovah Ra'ah, he's there. Now, a shepherd was an interesting man in the Old Testament because they lived with the sheep. They literally lived with the sheep 24-7. The shepherd did not leave the sheep. He stayed with the sheep. He was faithful to the sheep. He provided for the sheep. He fed the sheep. If uh, an animal came around, he had that long staff with a hook on it. And when they came by, he'd hit them, he'd whack them, he'd get rid of animals that were coming in, going after the sheep. But if a sheep went astray veering off, the other end had that hook and he would just put it around his neck and just turn him. And the sheep always walked in the direction that he was looking in, so he would just turn their gaze back. Here they are. Here they are. Here's the rest of them. Come on. And they just turned them and the sheep would walk back in and be with the rest of them. So the shepherd was always there with them. The shepherd loved the sheep. And David saying, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, in pastoring for 32 years, there were lots of times I had to look to the, to the Lord and say, you are my shepherd. You're looking out for me. You're going to show me the way to go. Because in pastoring, there's a lot of challenges, but the rewards are great. I don't miss pastoring in a sense, because all the paperwork and all that stuff, but I miss the people. Because what is a church? It's people. God brings people in from every walk of life, you know, every different place. He brings you together and makes you family. Kitty and I went, uh, we went to England once. We were invited there. We went there for a whole week and did a healing seminar. And I instantly felt at home with all them British over there because they were believers. There was an instant bond. In fact, their bass player, he played a bass left-handed. I said, hey, you play like Paulie. Paul McCartney played a bass left-handed with the Beatles. He said, oh, I sure do. <laughs> and, you know, we went over there and there was an instant bond with these people. See, because the word of God says that where two or more are gathered together in his name, there I am in the midst. So when you get around other believers, something happens. There's a kinship, koinia, and fellowship, and you instantly expect and believe the best in people when you find out they're a believer. Because Jesus is there saying, I'm introducing you to my, one of my other kids here. Are you hearing me now? So the shepherd, he looks after the sheep, and he stays with them all the time. So that's Number one, Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord is my shepherd. And he goes on, he says, I shall not want. There it's being revealed that he is Jehovah Jireh. I shall not want. But my God shall supply all my needs according to what? His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. By the way, I'm sure that you would ask the question, but that first day that we went to that church, when they took up the offering, I was totally taken by it in a good way. When we got in the car to go home, I looked at my wife and I said, we're going to start that giving, tithing thing that he talked about. I said, man, he, I said, she said, Joe, we, 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 we owe money. We're, we got some debt. I said, I can't not do what God wants. We have to do this. You know, we got out of debt in less than a year. 
And I don't know how it happened, but it happened. We lacked nothing. My, I had three young children, they lacked nothing. God supplied everything that we needed all the way through that, and we got out of debt. And that was a good thing. But he's our provider. He's the shepherd who provides. The shepherd made sure the sheep were fed, made sure their needs were met, made sure everything that they needed to have, he provided it for them. Because sheep, what could they do? Just follow the shepherd and receive. Hello. Follow the shepherd and receive. I kind of like that idea. Just follow the shepherd. Amen. And so here we see, I shall not want. You know, I remember when Kitty and I first started on our church, and um, the, Lord, the Lord had me to quit my job. I didn't want to quit my job. I worked with American Airlines for almost 18 years, and I remember when we knew that we had to go back east and pioneer a church, I, I said to my wife, I, we had already uh, ascertained that God wanted me to leave the job. But I said to my wife, I said, you know, honey, we got three little kids. You know, I could transfer back with American Airlines. I could work the night shift and have all the free time we need and she looked at me and said, what did God tell you to do? <laughs> I said, what did he tell you to do? He said, same thing he told you. God wants you to leave the work. I said, okay. All right. So I prayed about it, you know, and the Lord reminded me, go ahead. Don't worry about it. Well, we did. I resigned. The wife and three kids. I don't recommend that unless you got a, an email from God telling you to do it. <laughs> uh, we, my wife, we were convinced this was the way to go. And I never forget, at the end of the year, we got with our accountant and, and uh, showed him, you know, I don't hardly make any money, you know, gee whiz. But yet, every need was met. And at, at, at the end of it all, he said to me, my accountant said, I don't know how you made it this year. I mean, you, you practically got no money. How's everything at home? I said, fine. He said, the kids okay? I said, yeah. We even had them in private school. Yes. We even had them in a Christian school. And God was there all the way through it. He's our shepherd. He was our provider. And God has been faithful. He is faithful. He's faithful and true. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He won't leave you as orphans. Whatever it is that's going on in your life, he already knows. About you. you know, God is not surprised by your troubles. And I, you know, I, I, I can't emphasize that enough. He knows what's going on. I wake up in the morning now. Anybody ever watch the show? Forgive me. You ever watch the show Kramer? It was a, he was in, in the program, his name was Dr. Frazier Crane. He was, he was a psychologist, you know? And uh, he needed one himself, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> something had happened and he was going to pray. <laughs> and he, he said, well, dear Lord, I come to you with a prayer need. It's me, Dr. Frazier Crane. <laughs> Telling God his name. I wake up in the morning, I say, good morning, Father, it's me. My kids call me on the phone, I know it's them. They call me on the phone, hi, Dad, hi, Vicky. Hey, Dad, hey, Mark, what's up? I know them, they know me. So I get up in the morning, I say, good morning, Father, it's me. Anybody here watch the movie, Fiddler on the Roof? Hey, I'm like that guy in that movie, Tevye. I'm always talking to God, you know, I'm always talking to him, He's, he, he listens. And so, you know, here we see that we shall not want. Now, verse number two, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. And we look at that in verse number two, the still waters. 
He leads me in a path of, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Psalm 23, so often they use it at funerals because he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. You know, you're looking at this cemetery with all the beautifully cut grass and, you know, yeah, we're going to lay you down. And no! Psalm 23 is for the living, not for the dead. For the living. And as long as you're living and breathing, these, these things are yours and mine to, be, to, uh, to, to have from God and be thankful. You know, the best prayer is prayers of thanksgiving. I tell you, you know, just not for everything, but in everything. I, you know, I, I, I look the devil square in the eye and I praise God in spite of what he throws at me. Because he doesn't know what to do with a praising saint. He can't handle you. He expects you to fold like an old suit, you know? He expects you to give up and quit. No. Let him know from the beginning that when he messes with you, he's messing with the wrong guy, the wrong lady. That he's got a fight cut out for him. You know what? And after a while, he'll know better. Oh, he'll try. He'll sneak in the back door here and there, but surprise him and praise the Lord. I remember I used to work on the job. My, my friend back there, he works with American Airlines. I remember working on the job down in Tulsa. We were all working, and the guys would, you know, you put just a whole bunch of men together, and they were, they're going to let the language fly. So they'd start in, and all of a sudden, I would get a Holy Ghost praise attack. And I'd be working, and all of a sudden, I'd say, glory to God. Hallelujah. I praise your name, Lord Jesus. I bless you. You know, they all would go take a coffee break when I start that. And they'd walk away, and I'd say, yeah, that'll, that'll teach them. Don't talk like that in front of me. Because they start talking like that in front of me, I start praising the Lord. And they, they, they can't fight it. They can't fight it. Praising the Lord is a weapon. Wow. And so we see here, he makes me to lie down a green pasture. Here it is. He leads me beside the still waters. Okay, he leads me beside. There's that shepherd role again. Here we're talking Jehovah Shalom. He is our peace. Because sheep grow large amounts of wool. And if a sheep goes in running water, he will drown. All that wool gets wet, it weighs him down, and down he goes. But the shepherd knows better. He says, I'm going to take him someplace where the waters are peaceful so he can drink, and I could watch them, and they're not going to fall in. They're not going to drown. God will never lead you someplace that will be dangerous for you. You find yourself in a dangerous place, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. You know, when I leave the house, no matter where I go, I pray in the car for traveling mercies. I don't care if I'm going to CVS. Traveling mercies. Father, help me to be alert to other drivers and that they would be alert to me. Amen. So I'm driving up here yesterday, you know, and uh, it's at the Massachusetts Turnpike, and big 18-wheeler is in the center lane. I'm going to pass him on the left, but I just felt inclined or led. Don't pass him. All of a sudden, he came right into my lane. He would have knocked me flying. And he just came into the lane, passed up some car, and he pulled back in again. You know what I did? I said, thank you, Father. You made me alert. And I said, obviously, he didn't know I was there. Obviously. But thank you that you alerted me. Don't try to pass them yet. Because they usually don't go in that left lane unless they have to. And he felt he had to. He obviously didn't look first. I don't hold it against him. I trust God. And I was happy that God put the brakes on me. Slow it down a little bit. 
don't have to pass them yet. And I, and I saw that. I instantly gave God the thanks. Are you hearing me on that? And you know, and, and he is our peace. And you know, and, and he, he gives us peace. So he lies us peace. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. So, you know, he wants you to have his peace at all times. He is our peace. He doesn't just give us peace. He is our peace. You know, before we were saved, my wife used to tell me I was a time bomb. She said, Joe, I don't know what's going on with you, but you're getting crazier and crazier. And I said, I'm no crazier than the other, anybody else around me. She said, well, then you're hanging with the wrong people, if that's how you feel about it. And you know, but then I got saved. And I looked back at my life and I said, oh boy, God, I could have got myself killed a lot of times back there. You didn't let me die. You kept me going. And I had his peace just settled in. I said, oh, wow, it's awfully wonderful if those two words can be blended. It was amazing. But he is our peace. And here it says here, he makes me to lie. He leaded me beside the still waters. He doesn't want to lead you into a storm. And if you do get into a storm, he'll calm the storm. Jesus calmed the storm, right? God parted the Red Sea for the children of Israel. You know, you run up against an obstacle like that, but God. 45 times you can read that in the Bible, but God. I used to love to say that in my church when I was preaching, but God. I had a very blended church. We were in Patterson, New Jersey. Boy, were we ethnically charged. <laughs> wow. But we were the family of God. We had, we had one big brother, if you know what I'm talking about. Man, I'd say something, he'd jump up and say, you better watch yourself now. <laughs> or he'd say, go on now, go ahead, go ahead. Tell the truth now, shame the devil. <laughs> and, you know, and, and we get into trouble, turn to God at all times. And he is our peace. He lies us beside the still water. Here we go now. He restores my soul, verse number three. He restores my soul. I've always said this, that, you know, I'm glad I'm not God, because he saved me at my worst. He saved all of us at our worst. He saved us when our whole life was a mess. He saved us when sin was in our life. You say, oh, I wasn't that bad of a person. Rejecting Christ is a sin. And that was the biggest sin. That was, that's what was keeping you out of heaven. But now you have a different eternity with him. Amen. And you know, and I look at this, and he is our righteousness. We have become, we are the right, he calls us, God says, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Righteousness means we are in right standing with God. We are his child. We belong to him. We don't belong to the devil anymore. We belong to God. He watches over us to do all these things. We're going to get to all these things on these seven redemptive names of Jehovah. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads us in the path of righteousness so that we would always do the right thing and our life would be a witness to the lost. You know, my mother and I, rest her soul, but she's with the Lord now, and we didn't get along when I was a kid growing up. Well, we didn't get along at all and into my adult life until I got saved. And when I got saved, I called her up. I was living in a broken arrow. I called my dear mom up at home, and usually she called me. I didn't call her. She was surprised that I was calling her. She said, oh, Joe, oh, you, you're calling me today. What's up? 
I said, Ma, I need to, I need to tell you something. She says, yeah, is everything okay? The kids, hey, yeah, we're, we're fine, we're fine. I said, I just want you to know that uh, I got saved. Now, she was a Catholic. And she said, so what does that mean? I said, I accepted Jesus Christ. I'm considered a born-again Christian now. She goes, all right. So what are you telling me this for? I said, I don't know, Ma. All I know is I wanted to call you and tell you that I'm sorry for not being a good son all these years. And I give you my promise. I'll never give you another minute's worth of grief for the rest of your life. I thought I lost my connection. I said, hello? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm here. She said, oh, okay. She didn't know what to say. Well, and the long and short of it is a couple of years later, her and my father came to visit us, and they both got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And she said, Joe, we, we were with you and Kitty for a week, and only God could have done to you and her what, what he did. We want what you had. And if Jesus Christ is the answer, we wanted him. They got saved. And they, my father got healed, and my mother went to prayer and healing school. That whole week got healed of arthritis. Yeah. She wasn't even saved a week. And, and she, she's a baby Christian, man. She's going to eat up everything that comes. And so, you know, she, she, she ended up giving her life to Jesus. But he restores my soul. You know, I was a pastor for 32 years. I won't ask, well, I asked the question, but don't raise your hand. You know, we, we've all sinned since we got saved, one way or the other. In thought, word, or deed. We've all blown it somewhere along the way. And that's why we have 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all, what? Unrighteousness. Unrighteousness. So he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And then chapter 2, 1 John 1 says, My children, I write things to you that you sin not. If any man does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Notice... He's addressing that we have sinned, but he's calling us children. Children. We are his children. And I, I can remember pastoring, you know, every once in a while, uh, one of the men would approach me and say, hey, hey pastor, can I uh, see you this week about something? Sure. And we'd make an arrangement, and then he'd come and meet me in my office. And, you know, I have an opening prayer. And I say, okay, what do you want to talk about? And they would just look at me. And then they'd hang their head and tell me about something that they either said or did that they are very ashamed of. And I'd, I'd look at them, and to see a grown man sit there and start crying, why are they crying? Well, the Holy Spirit is in them. They know they did wrong. And I tell them, look at me. I can't, pass. I can't even pick up my head. Come on, come on, my man, look at me. They look up at me, and I say, you know that God saved you at your worst, right? Yeah, look what I did, man. Yeah, I know. And I would tell him about 1 John 1, 9, 1 John 2, 1. And, and I said, but God saved you at your worst. Oh, there's a, some water down there, but I, I need to take a mint. I'm sorry. Uh, I need to pick this mint up. You know, I like these mints. I, I really like them. I, I buy these all the time. You know, this thing fell on the floor, and everybody's walking around up here with their shoes. And, but I really like this mint. I mean, I could just take another one out of here, right? I mean, after all, I have about 99 more of them in here. 
So one fell. What do you do with the one that fell? It's my mint. God, don't turn the other way when you mess up. You're still his. He wants you back. The prodigal son's father watched the horizon. He said, ah, my boy is coming. Couldn't email him, couldn't call him, had no idea. My boy is coming. And when he comes, I'm going to put a ring on his finger. I'm going to put new shoes on him. I'm going to put a robe on his back. We're going to have a party because my son was lost and now is back. What did Jesus say? He had all those sheep. He goes after the one that strayed, puts it on his shoulder and brings it back into the fold. Always go to God first if you've messed up because he's waiting for you. You're always his child. And so we see here that he restores our soul. He leads us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What is the valley of death in this world we live in? My gosh. I don't watch the news anymore because it's all negative. I have certain sources that I go to to get something reliable. But they don't tell the news anymore. Everybody's an expert. They all have an opinion. They're all commentaries is what they give you. I don't need to hear everybody's point of view. Every, everybody's got an opinion, just like everybody's got a nose. <laughs> and I don't watch the news anymore because I say, it depends on who I'm watching, I'm going to get their point of view. And you know, and I, I, I look at this here, and I say, the world is in trouble. But the Word of God says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Oh, he's Jehovah Shammah. He's with you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? They wouldn't bow down. They said, we're going to throw you in the fiery furnace. He said, why didn't God deliver them from it? He went in the fire with them. He was with them. Old Nebi, he looked in there. He said, whoa, didn't we throw three men in there? I see a fourth man, and he got a revelation. He looks like the son of God. Even that old heathen recognized God when he saw him. And he called them out. They were tied up, bound, the Bible says. They weren't just had their hands and feet. No, man, that ropes were around them. They couldn't move. It was so hot. The men that threw them in, they died from the heat. And he called them, and they came walking out. The ropes were gone. They didn't even smell the smoke. You know, and I look at that, and I say, my gosh, isn't that absolutely amazing? So in verse number, number four there, he, verse number five, verse number four, I walked through the valley, shall thou art with me. God is with you. Jehovah Shammah. No matter where you go. I always used to say, God is not afraid of a good fight. And that's why the Bible tells us to fight the good fight of faith. Right? Why do we fight? Because we know we have the victory. We're getting to that one. We're getting there. So we see here, Jehovah Shammah, he is always with me. And he goes on and he says in here, in verse number four, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. There it is again, thy comfort me. That peace, Jehovah Shalom, God of peace. Even the Jews today, they, they greet each other with Shalom. And when they part, they say Shalom. Like Italians, they say Ciao. And then when you leave, they say Ciao. You know, I, where I grew up, they said, hey, forget about it. You know, Hey, forget about it. How you doing? And, you know, <laughs> you know, by the way, I was a Yankee fan. And I remember when the Sox were beating them in that seventh game in the playoffs, my heart started pounding. 
And I said, wait a minute, I'm not that big of a Yankee fan. I found I was drinking too much coffee. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, that's history. But you know, and he is our peace. And so he says in here, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're walking in his life, I will fear no evil because or for thou art with me, Jehovah Shammah, thy rod and thy staff. And we talked about the rod, what it does with the shepherd. He protects us. He comforts us. He is our comfort at all times. And he is our peace. Verse number five. No, verse, yes, verse five. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. I remember when I was going to Ramah. And uh, it was coming up on second year. And I used to put in paperwork every, uh, every month uh, to request to work the second shift. And um, because I needed the mornings off. We had school every day. And so one of the guys on the job walked up to me one day and said, Hey, Job, the manager, he mentioned his name, put a notice up on the bulletin board down there, read him and weep. I said, what are you talking about? He says, go down there and read it. So the manager put something on there that no one can just ask to work a certain shift unless you have someone that you can swap with. I said, oh, gosh, I need second shift every day for the next year. I'm going to Raymond. So I thought, well, let me talk to the manager personally. And he was always walking around. He was always there. So it wasn't easy to find him. So I found him. I said, can I, can I walk with you? And, uh, he was walking. I said, can I talk to you about something? He said, yeah, sure. So I told him, I said, listen, I go to school every day, and I need to work second shift. Um, it's, gonna be, it's not that easy to find someone to swap. He said, well, you know, you saw the doors that put up on there. You know, find somebody to swap with you, and you got it. And then he kind of stepped it up to walk away, meaning I don't want to talk about it anymore. And I stood there and I got convicted. And I realized I didn't tell him where I was going to school. I was afraid. I'm going to tell him I'm going to Bible school. What's he going to say? So I instantly repented. I said, Father, forgive me. Ah, that was a cowardly thing I did. I should not have withheld my plans that you gave me to him. I repented, and the man was walking, and he stopped. He turned and he looked back at me. He said, what do you go to school for? I said, I'm going to Rainbow Bible Training Center, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. I'm training to be a, a minister. He just looked at me. He said, you put in the paperwork, you got it. Just like that. Just like that. And I just looked at him. He says, and if anyone should ask you, how come you always have that second shift, tell them to talk to me. So I looked at that and I said, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Thou prepares to take before me in the presence of my enemies. There were people on the job that wanted to see me fail in this whole thing of going to Ramah. And then they all saw that I had that second shift all the time. Hey, Joe, come you uh, get study afternoons. I said, go talk to Mr. So-and-so about it. And you know they're not going to do that. And so I had this favor with God, but I recognized the weakness I asked the Lord to forgive me, and bang, the favor of God was there. Did you hear what I'm saying on that? Instantly, his favor was on me. So he prepares the table before us in the presence of my enemies. Then he says, so in the, that's Jehovah Nisi. He's my victory, right? Then he goes on, he says, thou anointest my head with oil. Oh, Jehovah Rapha, my healer. 
Back in April this year, April 11th, I was uh, playing music at a church in uh, Mount Kisco, New York, and uh, played the saxophone. That's why I grew this thing. I, I played better with this. <laughs> I think I grow a little mustache. Maybe that'll make me even better. I don't know. <laughs> but um, I was, uh, the, the pastor and I, we, we went and got a little bite to eat. And on the way home, I started getting headachy. Well, I'll make a long story short. I had COVID. By the time Thursday rolled around, I was so sickly. I mean, my head was screaming with a headache. Uh, I had shortness of breath. Uh, I had chills. I was starting to run a fever. I could barely breathe. I was exhausted all the time. I was nauseous all the time. And I, I, I could barely move. And so come Friday morning, well, my daughter said to me the night before, she said, I don't know, Dad, you think she get tested? I said, no, no, I got to trust God on this thing. And besides, if I get tested, then they got my name. And then I have to be quarantined. And they're going to track me on my phone. And they're always going to know where I am. And Big Brother is watching. You know, I'm not going to do that. And so Friday morning, I woke up. I could barely get out of bed. I was aches and pains all over, headachy, fever, chills, shortness of breath, uh, no appetite. I, I, Everything was going wrong that could go wrong. I came down the stairs of my house holding on to the, the banister. I said, gosh, I feel like I'm going to fall. I was weak. I'm falling asleep, and I'm waking up because I can't <gasps> I'm trying to breathe. And three times I had the thought, go get tested. And three times I heard, don't do it. The third time I said, OK, Father. All right, Lord, that, that, that's you. You got another idea for me on this. OK, I'm, I won't go to get tested. So I got the TV on, I had the Weather Channel. You ever put the Weather Channel on and you have no idea what they're talking about because you're not listening? And this thing's just going, and I'm just sitting there and I'm falling asleep and I'm waking up, I'm trying to breathe and I'm, oh, I'm this, I'm that, and all kinds of things. Didn't even drink coffee that week, just water. Couldn't eat, no appetite. And all of a sudden I hear something in my spirit. Go on Facebook. My first thought was, I'm not in the mood for Facebook. I don't want to go on Facebook. All right. If that's you, okay, we'll find out. I go on Facebook, and a minister that I know of, I don't know him, a guy by the name of Lance Walnow. What's in his name? You know. His name pops up, Lance Walnow is live now. That means he's live streaming from somewhere. I said, all right, let's see what he's talking about. I hit the thing. Him and his wife were sitting there talking silly about some house they bought and how work they had to do. Had nothing to do with anything of godly stuff. Nothing. And I'm sitting there and I'm falling asleep and I'm waking up and <gasps> trying to breathe and you know, my head is hurting. He gets about 12 minutes into it. He says, all right, well, our time is up. Annabelle and I, I said, well, we're going to go now. But I just feel I need to pray because I think there's a lot of people out there that don't feel good. And we know, he says, and we know God is our healer. When he said that, I pointed at my iPad and said, this is for me. And he prayed a prayer of healing, covered all the bases of scriptures that we know. I am the God that healeth thee. By his stripes we are healed. He himself took our infirmities, bare our sickness, and disease. He covered it all. No hoopla. He didn't say, put your hand on the screen. No, none of that stuff. He didn't say, send me $1,000. He didn't say anything. And you, you know, he just prayed this prayer of faith for healing. And at the end, and every time he quoted a scripture, I said, amen. 
And he said, I pray that for all of you in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going now. Maybe I'll be back next week. Maybe Annabelle will be with me. And he went off. Live stream was over, and I sat there. I was totally healed. Totally healed. Every symptom was gone. 104 fever now was 97.9. Everything was gone. He's our healer. He's Jehovah Rapha. He is our healer. And we, we look at this. Thou anoint my head with oil. We pray for the sick, right? We anoint with oil, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, right? Uh, you know, we, we do this in, 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 our, in our circles. The anointing of oil, representative of the Holy Spirit coming upon us and do, doing a work in us. And so we look at that. We see Jehovah Rapha is there. He's our healer. And then he reminds us again, my cup runneth over. He said, and by the way, I'm your provider. I'm your Jehovah Jireh on top of it all. Wow. And so we see that happening there. Verse 6, it wraps up. I love this. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Wow, if we just read all of what we read, those are all good things that God wants to do in our life, isn't it? They're all good things he wants to do. And in this crazy world we're living in right now, we need, we need the God factor to be exploding in us because the world, they're trying to go down and down and down. But listen, when the plagues hit Egypt, Israel was in Goshen. They got affected by the first three plagues and then nothing else touched them. Nothing else touched them. So maybe we're feeling some of the start of some things going on, but God. God's going to have the final say in this world and in our lives and in your life. He's going to have the final word. And so, you know, we, we look at this, and he says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What did Jesus say? Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If one not so, I would tell you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come and receive you to myself. He's got a place for us. Our Heavenly Father, our Good Shepherd, like the prodigal son's father, he had a place for the boy when he came back. There's a place for us. You know, I, 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 I've been, I, I've been with, with Christians when they're dying, and they have such a peace to go. I remember one friend of mine, friend of mine he was a friend, a church member of ours, he was dying. He got pancreatic cancer. He doesn't know why he got it, but anyway, I was with him the day before he died. And he said, don't pray for me, Pastor. I'm ready to go. I said, you're ready to go? I'm ready to go. I'm going. It's okay. And he says, but you know, Pastor, our Christian life goes full circle. When we first get saved, we're all excited. I'm going to heaven, but you got a long life to live ahead of you yet. I'm going to heaven when I die. Isn't that great? Yeah, well, you're still alive now. He says, yeah, but... And then you learn about faith and God, Jesus. You learn about loving people, forgiving people. We learn all the things that are involved in this wonderful Christian life that, that we have. But in the end, I'm going home. I'm going to heaven. And he said, and that's okay. I was with another man. I walked in his room to pray for him. He went like this. I said, yeah, 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 hi, Ray. No, no, that means don't pray for me. I'm ready to go. <laughs> and he wanted to go, and he had peace, and he went. We had a family in our church. Their 14-year-old boy died. He had this horrible brain tumor. And one day he said to his mother, why don't you let me go to heaven? <laughs> and she said, well, you know, and at the end he said, why don't you let me go to heaven? So his father came home from work, and his wife tells him, you're not going to believe what your son told me. He told me, he says, why don't, why don't I let him go to heaven? 
So anyway, the boy was taking a nap when he got up. His father talked to him. He said, what's this I hear you told your mother, you know, you, you know, to let you go to heaven? Well, I certainly don't want to go to hell. And he was ready to go. And he went. I heard the glorious story that you told me about your, how the, the guy, I mean, he accepted Jesus before he died. On the cross, the thief. Long as there's breath in us, there's hope. Long as there's breath in us, there's salvation awaiting us. I want to close with this. Let's go to Romans chapter number 8. I am closing with this. Pastor Shelley told me I can go this far. We're going to close with Romans chapter 8. I love Romans chapter 8. Verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now let's move on down to verse 39. I mean, verse 33. And I love this, how it all comes together here. Verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love Romans 8. It starts out, verse 1, there's no condemnation, and it ends with no separation. We are his. We're bought with a price. And all the seven redemptive names of Jehovah, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Sidkino, Jehovah Shama, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, perfect number of seven of completion of God working in us. He takes care of all of what we need in this life. And then there's eternity with him. And there's no separation. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. It's the love of God that saved us, the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. That's what saved me. I saw how good Jesus was, and I saw what a mess I was, and I had no alternative but to surrender. And it was the best surrender I ever did. Amen.